this morning to the book of Leviticus chapter 17. If uh, this is the first time you've been at Little Farms, uh, we are in a series of messages in the morning uh, from the book of Leviticus, and we have made our way to the 17th chapter. Um, In the evening, we are on a series on 1 Timothy, just begun that last Lord's Day evening, and uh, pray that God might bless his word to our lives. This morning then before us is Leviticus the 17th chapter. Let's hear the breathed out word of the Lord to us. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons and to all the people of Israel and say to them, this is the thing that the Lord has commanded. If any one of the house of Israel kills an ox or a lamb or a goat in the camp or kills it outside the camp and does not bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting to offer it as a gift to the Lord in front of the tabernacle of the Lord, blood guilt shall be imputed to that man. He has shed blood. That man shall be cut off from among his people. This is to the end that the people of Israel may bring their sacrifices, that they sacrifice in the open field, that they may bring them to the Lord, to the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting, and sacrifice them as sacrifices of peace offerings to the Lord. And the priest shall throw the blood on the altar of the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting, and burn the fat for a pleasing aroma to the Lord. So they shall no more sacrifice their sacrifices... To goat demons, after whom they whore. This shall be a statute forever for them throughout their generations. And you shall say to them, any one of the house of Israel or of the strangers who sojourn among them, who offers a burnt offering or sacrifice and does not bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting to offer it to the Lord, that man shall be cut off from his people. If any one of the house of Israel or of the strangers who sojourn among them eats any blood, I will set my face against that person who eats blood and will cut him off from among his people. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. Therefore I have said to the people of Israel, No person among you shall eat blood. Neither shall any stranger who sojourns among you eat blood. Any one of the people of Israel or of the strangers who sojourn among them, who takes in hunting any beast or bird that may be eaten, shall pour out its blood and cover it with earth. For the life of every creature is its blood. Its blood is its life. Therefore I have said to the people of Israel, you shall not eat the blood of any creature. For the life of every creature is in its blood. Whoever eats it shall be cut off. And every person who eats what dies of itself or what is torn by beast, whether he is a native or a sojourner, shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the evening. Then he shall be clean. But if he does not wash or bathe his flesh, he shall bear his iniquity. Thus far the reading of God's word. Let's again bow in prayer and ask for God's blessing upon it. Our gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you once again for revealing to us your holy inspired word and for giving us your Holy Spirit that we might learn from it. 
Father, we thank you for this word from Leviticus. We pray that we will learn more of the atonement of our great Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That we can be grateful for both his life and for the blood that he shed on our behalf, that we might become his sons and daughters. Father, we thank you for this word from Leviticus. We thank you for the shadows and types of Christ that it points to. And Father, we pray that you would be with Pastor Bob now as he brings us your word. Father, please guide him and direct him and give us ears to listen by your Holy Spirit. We thank you so much for the atoning sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Help us to live in light of it each and every day. We ask this all in Christ's name. Amen. And amen. So we want to look at three things from this passage of Leviticus, the 17th chapter. First of all, the place of sacrifice, which occupies the first portion of this passage, probably about the first half. The place of sacrifice. Secondly, the blood of the animal is what takes up the second part of that. The blood of the animal. And then thirdly, the applications that follow. What principles do we derive from this 17th chapter for you and I as the church of Jesus Christ today? We have no altars. We have no tabernacle to speak of. We have no priest. We practice no animal sacrifices. So how does this chapter give us a shadow of that which is to come and the realities that we see And then how do we live according to that? So the place of sacrifice, the blood of the animal, and the applications that follow. Well, first of all, it's pretty obvious as you open up this chapter. God has but one place that he wants sacrifices to be brought. He wants them to be brought to the tabernacle. He mentions it in verse 5, for example. This is to the end that the people of Israel may bring their sacrifices, that they sacrifice in the open field, that they may bring them to the Lord, to the priest, at the entrance of the tent of meeting. That's where they're to be brought. We read it again down in verse 9. And does not bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting to offer it to the Lord. That man shall be cut off so severe. We'll come back to that in, in a few moments as well. But, but God is placing this commandment upon his people. When you offer a sacrifice, bring it to the tabernacle. That is the place. And only at that place. Else the consequences will be severe. Now, what does that mean? Bring it to the tabernacle. Why that place? Because that place is where the glory of the Lord is. That is where God is residing in that Shekinah glory that dwells between the cherubim. This is where God is. This is the presence of God. So, in essence, what he's saying is not so much you have to bring it to the tent as much as you bring it to me. This is a sacrifice just to the Lord. And that is the only, only thing you are to be sacrificing to. You are to be sacrificing to nothing else but to me. Only to me. Verse 4, verse 5, verse 9. But then you also have that seventh verse. So they shall no more sacrifice their sacrifices to goat demons after whom they whore. 
In other words, what had been the practice of the Israelites, even up till this point, even up till Leviticus chapter 17, is that some of them had been practicing sacrifices to other gods. To goat demons. Now where does that come from? Well, it came from Egypt. One. Back in Egypt, there had been those of of certain religious idolatry who had been involved in, we would say, more occult-like practices, um, more demonic practices, and had been sacrificing to those goat demons. Some of the people of Israel had been slaves of such people. They had been in contact with such people. And they had learned that. And they have taken that along with them. By the time we get to the end of the book of Joshua, years and years in advance from Leviticus chapter 17, Joshua still has to say, you need to put away the gods that you learned to worship back in Egypt. you got to get rid of those things. This is something that they clung to. That's why that verse 7 talks about they whore after. It is like a passion. It is like a drive that, that they just can't rid themselves of this worship of these goat demons. But you see, there are other peoples around them as well who are worshiping other gods and there are sacrifices going on to them. When they get into the land of Canaan, we know that there are the Hivites, the Jebusites, and all those other ites that are out there and they're all pagans. They're all worshiping other gods and they all have their own practices. Do not offer a sacrifice but to the Lord. No exceptions. No pagan deities. Remember King Jeroboam, when when Israel and and Judah split, one of the things Jeroboam did that, that we are reminded of often is that he set up two calves to worship. Probably in the fashion of Aaron at Mount Sinai, which was in the fashion of the gods of Egypt. But if you look at the reading carefully in Chronicles, it's 2 Chronicles 11.15, he also reintroduced sacrifices to the goat demons. This is something that the people of Israel had a penchant for. They, They just, they had a desire for this. And God is saying, no more, no more, no more. If you're out in the field and kill an animal for sacrifice, bring it to the tabernacle. Don't build a little altar out there and and have a sacrifice. You may have good intentions. You might even have right motives, but wrong place. Bring it to the tent of meeting. Bring it to me. Because the blood of that animal needs to go on the altar. And here's where things begin to tie together, right? Right? Because the purpose of sacrifice is the purpose of atonement. 
And in order for that atonement to be done, it has to come from the blood of the animal. And the only place the blood of that animal can be appropriately sacrificed for atonement is on the altar that is by the tent of meeting. So there's a fence around this whole complex, not only the tabernacle, but the basin and the bronze altar of sacrifice. Bring it to the entrance, have it sacrificed on that altar because that's the blood of the sacrifice that I accept as atonement. No other blood, no other place. I don't care what you're doing out in the field. I don't care what you're doing up on the high places. It does not bring about atonement. The blood needs to be on the altar. Not at your tent. Not at your home. Not at those high places. Not at the groves. Not at the pagan temples. The only atoning blood for your sin is at the altar. That is in my presence. That is before me. Only at the tabernacle. And thirdly, underneath that point, only by the priest. You shall bring it to the entrance and what do you do? You give it to the priest. What does the priest do? The priest is the one now who has the commission to take that animal and to offer it on the altar to take its blood and to sprinkle it against the altar for your atonement. Only the priests can do that. You cannot do that on your own. You do not have the authority. You do not have the ordination. You do not have the calling, we could say. Only the priest may do so. No other sacrifices. No mixtures, no combos, no part and part. Well, how about if I do the, do the tabernacle thing with some of my animals, but I do the goat thing over here with some other of my animals? Is that okay? No. No, you can't have a mixture. Well, how about once just to cover my bases, once a year, what just once a year, I give to a goat demon. No. No, ne- never. No other sacrifices can be made, should be made, other than at the tabernacle to the Lord with the blood upon the altar. And if you do, you're cut off. And that's an interesting expression. You are cut off, right? Because what's, what identifies these people as belonging to the Lord? What identifies these males as belonging to the Lord? Something got cut off. So that which was cut off before identified them as God's covenant people. But now... If you practice any of these other sacrifices, you are to be cut off. What is God saying? Well, it's interesting. He does not say they are to be killed. He does not say they are to be stoned. 
He does not say, and the elders of the people are to gather together, take them outside of the camp and stone them. We have that in other cases. We have that in other circumstances. But not here. Here it's cut off. What does that mean? Kicked out. Go. Go on your own. You're no longer part of us. You are no longer part of the covenant community. That relationship between you and the Lord and between you and us has been cut off. You are no longer part of the covenant. You might say, well, is that really as severe as death? My friends, it's worse than death. Because you see, you could get stoned, literally, not figuratively in our generation, literally, but you could still be a member of the covenant community. There was still glorious hope and assurance. But not if you're cut off. Not if you're removed from the covenant community. There is no hope. And you have to live the rest of your life knowing that you fall under the judgment of God. I shall be cut off from amongst my people. God takes this very seriously. One could say this is probably. No, not probably. This is the strongest punishment that God can order to be cut off. Because you see, if you're cut off, you're cut off from the sacrifice. You are cut off from the blood. You are cut off from the altar. You are cut off from the tabernacle. You are cut off from atonement. And there is no more atonement for your sin. This is serious. And God means business here. That's the judgment. You will incur your own blood guilt. See, that, that's the language, right, in verse 4. He has shed blood, and that man, excuse me, the blood guilt shall be imputed to that man. That means that the blood guilt is not transferred to the animal whose blood is now on the altar. This man is now dealing with his own blood guilt. It's on him. All of his sin is now resting upon his shoulders and his shoulders alone. Oh, the seriousness with which God looks at this. Secondly, God then speaks to Moses in regards to the issue of blood of the animal. This is a repeated command. This is not the first time. In fact, this command is pre-Sinai. This command comes to us out of Genesis chapter 9 as God speaks to Noah. And God says to Noah after the flood, okay, you had the requirement beforehand. 
okay, that you could not eat animals. I had given you only vegetation. Now, Genesis chapter 9, we make a change. You may now eat animals, but never with its blood. Never with its blood. It's not the first time, but nor is it the last. Remember that little letter of Acts chapter 15? Yeah, that one of that Jerusalem consul, right? We're, we're after Christ. We're after the cross. We're dealing with the Acts chapter 15. How do we incorporate Gentiles into the church and their various practices and so on? And do they need to be circumcised first? And, and the ruling is, no, they need to be baptized. Okay? But, but they also have to abstain from sexual immorality. Well, that's a good thing. You know what the other thing they stuck in there was? And don't drink the blood. Abstain from the blood. Genesis, Leviticus, Acts. It would seem like This command of God is pretty far-reaching. It's not limited, as it were, to time and space. It's not limited to certain conditions. God is saying there is something about this that you need to understand. Now, when we talk about this, there are two things that are going on. One... It uses the expression to eat blood. There is a story in the Old Testament of Saul, King Saul. And and it's in a battle with the Philistines. He makes this rash vow. And the rash vow he makes is, Men, you cannot eat anything until we've defeated the Philistines. Well, the battle goes on and on and on and the guys are just famished. They come across a a herd of animals, and they are so hungry. They are so hungry that they just literally go over there, slit the throats of the animals, and start eating the meat. What did they not do? They did not drain the blood from the animal. When this passage speaks about, okay, when this passage speaks about The fact that they eat blood, it means to eat it in the meat, which means to not allow the animal to bleed out. So lest you think you've done something horrible, let me also explain something to you. When you go to Sobe Meats, okay, and you buy yourself a nice red steak that's sitting there, And you go home today, perhaps, hopefully you you can't buy it today, but you bought your steak yesterday, you're going to cook it today, you put it on the grill, okay, and you go, just right, cut into it, and your wife goes, oh, it's still rare, it's all that blood. You have good news for her, that is not blood, okay, that is not blood. The blood has already been drained out. Okay? Now, we could go into a scientific thing, but just let me rest. Okay, that's not what's being talked about here. In other words, what's being talked about is you kill an animal, open it up, and just start eating. Don't do that. Why? 
Why doesn't God want that to happen? Because that's what the pagans did. That's the way pagan sacrifices worked. There was all sorts of, 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 of legends and myths in regards to how oh, you eat the blood of the animal. and you know It gives you special powers and strength and so on. God says, no, don't fall for that. That's part of the idolatry. You're accepting then the the idea of another God. But I and I only am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of slavery. So we're talking about just just diving into a a fresh kill. Right? So Tuesday morning, some of you are out there and you get get that, that great buck. Right? Okay, and you, you open it up and you go, oh, look at this, backstrap. Like, no, you got to hang the animal up and you drain it. All God's saying is, just drain it. Just drain it, then you can eat it. And you can cook it however you want. If you want to make it so that it's black all the way through, fine. Not real tasty, But the other thing is to drink blood. That's the other prohibition here. To take the blood of the animal, to pour it into a cup, and then drink it. Because you see, that practice is what was associated with the worship of the goat demons. Right? And enough of you have probably watched stupid movies enough to know, right? That in Satanism, in devil worship, what do they always got a cup of? Blood. And God is saying, no. No. Why is that blood so important? Because it is through the blood that atonement is made. On that altar. And God knows what that blood represents. God knows that that blood represents the blood of his son. The lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. No, don't eat that animal's blood. Don't drink that animal's blood. No, that blood, that life blood, that which is the life of the animal... That blood belongs only on an altar. Because that's the shadow of the cross. So don't go there. There's others, right? It is the blood of Christ and Christ alone that takes away sin. And yet, so much of of this pagan ritual, this pagan life and worship was about how how do we have a prosperous life? How do we have a good life? How do we get the blessing of our God? Well, we drink the blood. We eat the blood. And God is saying, this is such an affront to me. Because when you see the blood of that animal, You are to think of my son. 
What's disobedience for this? Cut off. Cut off. Hunters, take note. Did you catch what you have to do? Did you catch what God says? This is the practice you should follow? When you shoot that animal and you bleed it out, what do you do with the blood? You bury it. You cover it. You don't just let it sit as a pool. Because there is a reminder, there is a shadow in that blood. God gives that to us as a, as a picture that we, that we look and that we see and we sense. Not in, not in some Indian culture way of, of thinking the soul of the animal and all that jargon. But this is the life of the animal. An animal that God has created. An animal that God has given with lifeblood in it. Blood that represents and points to his son. Respect it. Have respect for it. Understand what it means. Understand what it represents. He doesn't say don't hunt. He doesn't say don't take those animals. What he does say is respect the blood. Because as you do so, even on Tuesday morning, you're thinking of Christ. And of his blood that was given on that cross for your atonement. And you're reminded not through this blood, but only through his blood. Christ's blood is there an atonement. God also includes, don't eat any animals that you find dead in the field. You come across and there's an animal laying dead. Well, let's take that home and eat it. No. Because you don't know how long. You don't know what from. God says if you come across an animal that has been torn apart by other animals, well, coyotes got half of it, but here's half left. Don't take it home. What's the issue again? The issue is blood. It all comes back to the issue of blood. The draining of the blood. The letting out of the blood. Now we might say, well, aren't there medical? Probably. There's health issues. But, But in this chapter, it's about the blood. The blood was not respected by those animals. Was not honored. Don't eat that animal. Once again, it's to point us back that the only true sacrifice is Christ. And if we're going to take anything away from Leviticus chapter 17 in terms of applications for ourselves, it's these three. One, worship as God desires it is always Christ-centered. It's never self-centered. 
And it's never seeker-centered. It is always Christ-centered. It is always to focus us on Christ. And when we are focused on Christ, what, what do we focus on then? Our need of Christ? Our sin? Our forgiveness? Christ's atoning sacrifice? Our desire to live for Christ? That's what worship is to be about. That's what God is calling his people here to in Leviticus chapter 17. Center it upon me. I want you to come to the tent. I want you to come to my altar. I want you to come to the priest. And how much more so is not all of this a picture of Christ? Who is the priest? Christ. Who is the sacrifice? Christ. Whose presence is it that has said, I will never leave you or forsake you? Christ. It's all Christ. If you ever reach the point of attending church and you go, I'm stopping going to that church because all they talk about is Christ. That's the church you ought to be attending. Not leaving. Because it is to be Christ-centered in its fullness, in its completeness, in its totality. Secondly, It is Christ's atoning blood alone. And just like Israelites of old, our hearts too are not necessarily torn toward goat demons. But we're torn towards our own works. Well, I did this and I did that. I went to church Sunday morning. That's got to count for something. I went to church Sunday morning and night. I'll bet that really counts for something in my forgiveness Not only that, I actually tithe this week. Made up for a lot of things this week, didn't I? I actually went to a Bible study this week as well. Wow, I've got to be free. See, we, we have this tendency as human beings to look for substitutes. Just like these people of Israel, they're they're looking for something to add to. What else can we include? What else can we unfold? And we need to be reminded again and again and again. Because we are prone to wander. We are prone to leave the God we love. That it's Christ's blood alone. But from that, I think there is another principle. I think from that point, we can, we can look at this and we can say, this is the place that you come For the table of the Lord. I think one of the the strangest practices. that, that, That time of COVID brought. Was to actually have churches. Say now you sit in your house. You take a little cup. You take a little wafer. And in your house. You do this. You, you have the supper with us. See, we'll do it all together there. And it's like, there's a principle here. Now you come to my place. You come with God's people. And you come to the place where, where we will center 
on. And we will draw deeply from Christ. Not in some casual, relaxed atmosphere where, oh, now I drank the wine, now I'll have my cup of coffee. Oh, I had this piece of bread. Hey, that goes pretty good with my cinnamon roll. There's a sense in which that, that, that so waters down what the table is all about. There is a calling here. There's a calling when we come to the table, as, as Paul does in 1 Corinthians 11, to take this seriously. And to be focused on what it is that we are doing. Thirdly, not only is the application for Christ-centered worship, not only is the application for us to focus on Christ's atoning blood alone, but it's also Christ-honoring lives. See, I got, I got to looking at this chapter, and I thought, isn't this interesting? We, we go from the place of sacrifice and how you are to bring it to the tent and how you are to bring uh, there so that the, the, the blood goes on the altar and, and all of that. And if you don't, you're cut off to God saying, oh, and by the way, <laughs> when you're out preparing your food in your everyday lives, oh, when you're out in the woods hunting, when you're out in the woods going for a walk, it's like God is saying, take the principle of these first nine verses and just don't limit it to being at the tent of meeting. Understand, this is a life principle. This is the way we think about life. And I want you, whether, whether you're out hunting, whether, whether you're out at your, your tent, whether you're out in the field and you come across a dead animal, think about Christ. And seek to live in every sphere. Not just here. Not just Sunday mornings, Sunday evenings. Not just here. But Christ honoring, Christ glorifying lives. So I go back to those Ten Commandments that we read. What are they about? They're about life. They're about having God and God alone. They're, they're about honoring God's name and not just making it a, 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 a name and a word we use to explain our horror or our joys over something. To glorify his day. To glorify our relationship in our families. To respect life as he is in this chapter. Respect even the life blood of an animal. Think of, think of the implications for that, for, for where we are in our culture today. Respect other people, their bodies, their persons. Respect their property. Respect their names. What's it about? Here? It's about there. It's about how do I live this principle in my life every day. That's the application. Taking the principle 
of the atoning blood of Christ and living it every day so that God is glorified. Amen? Amen.